Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. ushered into the presence of God to abide in his word. I want to thank the praise team this morning, choir. This has just been uh, beautiful, just been beautiful. Now, we appreciate those who can lead us in worship and lead us to the throne of God's grace. I'm, I'm thankful uh, for people who really know how to pray. You know anybody like that? It's the person who, when they pray, it, it's like they pick you up and they bring you all the way up to the heights of heaven and you abide in the courts before God for a little while in prayer and then they bring you back with them. There's some people who, when they pray, it's not so much the, the words or the phrasing, it's not so much the, 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 the structure or the, or, or the beauty of the language as it is just the sincerity of heart and the sense that as you are praying with this person that they know to whom they pray and, and their prayers are getting through. You know, sometimes we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and coming back. You ever say that? Folks, God is on this side of the ceiling. They don't have to get through the ceiling. He hears them already. But I'm so thankful for people who know how to pray. It, it's an inspiration for the rest of us. And as we pray, we know that uh, God isn't listening for the quality and, the, and the, uh, the beauty of it. He's simply listening to the heart. So I thank God for the gift of prayer. You know, I, I wonder what it was like to be one of the disciples when, uh, when Jesus was on earth, and uh, they got to hear Jesus pray. They knew what his prayer sounded like. I mean, the timbre of his voice and the, the cadence and the phrasing and, and, and those kinds of things. They, they heard him pray, and, and I, I wonder what that would have been like. I mean, how many times did they see that Jesus went off early in the morning to some private place, and there he would pray? I mean, they never had to wonder what Jesus was doing. They'd get up in the morning. They'd be by themselves. No, Jesus. Where is Jesus? Well, you know where he is. Just find a secret place, and you'll find Jesus praying there. Jesus was a, a man of prayer. Uh, his prayers had power. The disciples saw that again and again. Not, not just the, the miracles where he spoke a word and the leper was cleansed and the lame walked and the blind could see and, and, and the dead were raised, but, but it, the, the power of his prayers at, at moments when they least expected it. You, you remember when Jesus was preaching to the 4,000 and, and uh, uh, um, the disciples came and said, you know, these folks need something to eat. And Jesus said, well, you feed them. They said, we don't have anything. All we have is, an, is enough to make a few, um, uh, you know, fish sandwiches. And that, that's about it. Jesus said, that's enough. Bring it here. And what did he do? He took the, the bread, he took the loaves and the fish, and he prayed. He blessed them. And as he prayed, then he began to distribute them through the disciples, and everyone was fed by the power of the prayer of Jesus Christ. 
He was a man of prayer, and he, you could recognize that. The, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you remember this, right after the, um, uh, the, the, the resurrection? They were traveling from Jerusalem to a nearby town called Emmaus, and as these two disciples were, were walking along, someone came up and was walking this with them. It was the risen Lord Jesus, and he said to them, uh, you know, what's going on here? And they didn't recognize him. And they said, well... We thought that this Jesus was the Messiah, but they crucified him. But now we're, we're, we're confused. The, the women have said that some angels told them that he was risen. We haven't seen him. We don't know what's going on here. And Jesus began to teach them, and he taught them from the Word how, how the Old Testament applied to him. They did not recognize him. They came to, to the place where they were going to stay the night, and the two disciples said to Jesus, not knowing that it was he, they, they said, look, uh, why, why don't you stay with us and have dinner with us? And so they, they, they went inside and they sat down to dinner, and it came to Jesus, and he took the bread and he blessed it. He prayed. At that moment, they recognized him. It was the prayer life of Jesus that left an indelible mark on their hearts. And they recognized Jesus by the way that he prayed. No wonder the disciples came to him at, at one point. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Remember that? Jesus, teach us to pray. These disciples, they were good Jews. They knew how to pray. They'd been taught from an early age how to go before God and to speak to God. They had been taught the 18 benedictions, the 18 prayers that all Jews prayed in the synagogue at that time. They knew those prayers. They knew the, the routine of it. They knew the words of it. They, they knew when to stand, when to sit. They knew how to, how to posture themselves in an attitude of prayer. They knew how to pray. But there was something about Jesus there was something about Jesus when he spoke with his Father in heaven that was different. And so when they said, Jesus, teach us to pray, they were saying, Jesus, teach us to pray the way you pray. Teach us to pray in such a way that we can connect up with the Father in heaven the way you connect up with him. And it was then that Jesus said, well, here's how you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And the rest of the prayer is just an, an extension of that. God, let your name be holy. Let your name be holy as your kingdom comes and the, the expression of your power and your sovereign authority is made known on earth as it is in heaven. Let your, your, your sovereign holiness and righteousness be made known as you feed us day by day, as you forgive us, as you inspire us to forgive others. Father, glorify yourself. Let your name be holy as you keep us from temptation and preserve us from the evil one. He said, guys, when you pray, here's how you pray. Go to your Father. Glorify his name. Pray for his glory. That's how to pray. Jesus was a great man of prayer. One of the most important lessons Jesus ever taught on prayer, he taught on the very night that he was betrayed. Because he took his disciples with him and he went to a garden in a place called Gethsemane. And when he got there, he told most of them, you, you stay here. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And they, they went off a little ways. And then he said to those three, he said, you stay here and you watch. You watch. And Jesus went off a little distance and he began to pray. Oh, we'd like to think had we been there, we would have watched Jesus pray. 
We would have burned it into our minds what it looked like to see him pray so fervently and so earnestly. We would have, have paid such attention that we would not have forgotten a single word that he said. We would not have forgotten a single aspect of his posture and his being. We, we would have had that memory sealed in our minds. We'd like to think we would have watched Jesus pray, but I'm telling you, we would have been like Peter, James, and John. We would have watched and listened, and then, then we would have put our head in our hands, and then we would have rested our eyes, and then we'd look up and see Jesus staring at us. No, I wasn't asleep. I was just resting my eyes. Don't worry about us, Jesus. You know, we're paying attention here. No, they were sound asleep. Jesus went off a little distance from them. He said, you watch. And he went off a little distance from them. And, and he began to pray. And he said, Father, if there's any way at all that this cup can pass from me, if there's any way at all that, that, that I don't have to go to the cross, if there's any way at all that, that we can bypass the agony that's set before me. You see, Jesus prayed honestly. You ever try to fool God in your prayers? You, know, you ever try to go before God and convince him that you're better than you are? Or you're, you're coping better than you are? You know, you say things like, Dear God, I know you're in charge and I know everything's going to work out for good. And what's really going on in your head is, God, I don't see it. And I'm frustrated and I'm defeated and I'm weak and I don't, I don't know what's coming next. Folks, in those moments, here's what you ought to pray. God, I don't see it. I'm weak and I'm frustrated and I'm defeated and I don't know what's coming next. What makes you think you can fool God? He knows what's in your heart. Be honest with God. Because that's what you need to bring out of your heart and set before God so that he can deal with it and, and you can have him minister to you through that agony and through that pain. Jesus was absolutely honest. See, we don't have to pretend that we're, we're living some kind of life six inches above the ground, halo over the head before God hears our prayer. We don't have to try and fool God to make him think that somehow we, we are um, uh, coping better or something like that. We, we can just be absolutely brutally honest with God. And if we have to, to complain in the bitterness of the soul, as the Bible says. You know, there are times when you just need to do that. Believe it or not, God is big enough to take it. Believe it or not, God is, is powerful enough and wise enough and loving enough to understand. And you'll probably phrase it badly. You probably will feel like you need to apologize later, but God will understand. So pray honestly before the Father. So Jesus went off a little bit of distance and he began to pray, Father, if there's any way this can pass from me, went back, found the disciples, they were sleeping. He said, wake up. Look, guys, watch, watch. And he went off a second time. And when he went off the second time, he prayed the same thing. He said, Father, if there's any way, remove this cup. Let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thy will be done. See, what Jesus understood was that prayer is about absolute surrender to the will of the Father. What Jesus understood was that the purpose of prayer is not to talk 
to doing what we want, but it is rather to surrender our lives so that we can be a part of what God wants. The purpose of prayer is not so that we can negotiate with God. Somewhere we got this idea, the prayer's negotiation. Dear God, if you will do this, this, and this, then I will do this. Or dear God, you know, I would like you to do this, this, and this, and I'm waiting for that before I move over here. You know, prayer isn't negotiation. Prayer is surrender to the will of the Father. So Jesus said, if if it's possible, remove the cup. But not what I want, Father. Your will be done. That's not an easy prayer to pray. So honestly, he prayed, and he surrendered himself to the will of the Father, came back, saw the disciples again. They're sleeping again. He says, guys, wake it. Watch. And he went away a third time. Third time. And the Scripture says, he prayed the exact same words. You ever say to yourself, you know, it seems like my prayers are getting through. I keep praying the same thing over and over and over again, and nothing happens, nothing that I can see. And Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane went away three times, and he prayed the same prayer over and over and over again. See, what Jesus understood was that God delights in the prayers of his children. He loves it when we come before him in prayer. We might repeat the same need, the same burden, bring the same petition before him time and time and time again. And God delights when we come before him in prayer. Now, those of you who are grandparents, some of you are parents. You know, when your little children come to you, a little preschooler comes up to you and says, I, 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 uh, I, uh, candy. I mean, what do you say to them? You say, I can't believe that you can't speak English better than that. Don't you come before me again until you can craft a better petition than that. And by the way, no candy for you. I'll tell you exactly what we say. Sure, you want some? How about two? Why? Because our love for our children, we delight when they come before us. And with this lisping, confused, barely understandable request, ask us for something. See, God delights in the prayers of his children. And we come before him time and time and time again, and it might seem like, well, I'm praying the same thing over and over again. God doesn't get tired of that. As we come before him and and, and in surrender and honesty, we delight in the presence and the fellowship of prayer with our Father in heaven. So Jesus taught this to his uh, disciples, and he kept praying this over and over again. By the way, I don't think this is the first time Jesus prayed this prayer. I mean, what do you think? Do you think he was going through life? He says, yeah, the cross is out there. Hey, that's wonderful. Set my face towards Jerusalem, going to be crucified. It's going to be agony, pain, torture, all those kind of, hey, that's cool with me. And then he woke up that morning and said, hey, I'm not sure about this. You know, I used to be sure about this, but now I'm not sure about this. No, because he was in in, in the flesh. I think this was always hanging over his, 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 his mind and before him. 
that he was headed towards the cross, and on the cross the pain and the agony of sin would be placed upon him, and that dislocation between us and God that our sin creates would be placed upon him, and he would experience the death that we deserve. This was never a happy thought. I would not be surprised if every day when he went out to a private place to pray, one of the things he said was, Father, if this cup can be removed from me, but not my will, thine be done. And in that prayer, repeated prayer, the fellowship with the Father brought him through what God had destined for him. Don't get tired of praying. Don't, don't give up on praying. You know, just because you pray something once and you don't see it, keep on praying. Just because you pray something maybe a hundred times, keep on praying. Because our Father in heaven loves us, and he, and he loves when we have this fellowship with him. You see, that's why we were created, for this fellowship with the Father. Think, think back to Genesis chapter 2. God creates the human race. He creates the man and the woman. And what does he do? The first thing he does, he puts them in a garden, he starts talking to them. You know, through, in, in, he would come to them in the cool of the day, and there was this communion, and there, there was this fellowship and this conversation going on between Adam and Eve, our first parents, and, and their creator. What is that called? That was called prayer. They were in a constant state of prayer with their creator until the day they decided, well, I don't want to talk to God anymore. I want to talk to somebody else. And they begin, they begin listening to these other voices and they having these other conversations and they reject God and they reject his commandments and they reject his sovereignty. And so in the sin, they fall away from that perfect estate of prayer. They fall away and out of that fellowship of prayer that they had enjoyed. And the first thing that happens when God comes along is they are afraid to pray. They are afraid to confront and be confronted by their creator. And so they hide in the bushes, ashamed and afraid to pray. That's what sin does for us. So often we're afraid to pray because we know when we come before God and we start praying, he's going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, fine, I know what you want to say. Here's what I want to say also about your life. And we don't like that conviction. We don't like that sin pointed out. We're a little bit fearful of praying sometimes because we like our sin too much. But here's the wonderful thing about prayer. Even though our sin and our rebellion breaks that fellowship of prayer and, uh, that, that uh, we were designed to have, here's the thing about prayer. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he forgives us our sins, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. When we come before God and we confess our sins in prayer, we are made clean and whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we come and we pray before the Father, not because we have earned it or we deserve it, but because of God, is, it, it, God is gracious and he is loving toward us. And he delights in our prayers. So he, he brings us back to what we were designed to do, that, that, that ongoing fellowship, that, that, that running conversation with God that is called prayer. So when you pray, pray honestly, pray and surrender to the will of God. Pray in fellowship with the Father and pray in confession. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about prayer. Those are the kinds of things we're talking about. So now when we get to Colossians chapter 4. Yes? <laughs> Colossians chapter 4. 
You know, that might have been an alarm saying it's over. <laughs> anyway, Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Don't ever stop praying. Don't view prayer as something that just happens here and then here and then here. But prayer is to be that constant fellowship. Again, a running conversation with God. Pray steadfastly, pray constantly, be consistent and constant in that kind of prayer. You see, we need to be constant in our prayer because the attack of the adversary is constant. He's he's not giving up. He'll go away for a season maybe, but he's coming back. We need to be in constant prayer because there's an unknown battle coming, and we need to be ready for it. And when the battle starts, we need to have that prayer already undergirding us. You know, one of the uh, most instructive stories, I think, about prayer in the New Testament is uh, about the time that Jesus came down off the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he got down to the foot of the mountain, there was a group of people there and his disciples, and they were all arguing. They were arguing. And Jesus said, well, what are you arguing about? A guy steps forward. He says, well, I brought my son. He's got an unclean spirit. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. They couldn't drive the, 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 holy, the, the, the unclean spirit out. Um, and, and so I guess the, the guys are arguing about what to do next or something. I don't know, but, but that's, that's the problem. And uh, Jesus said, well, well, come here, let, let's talk about this. And he said, now, what is it you want? He says, well, if you can, would you drive the Spirit out of my son? If you can. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if? What do you mean, if? He says, all things are possible if you believe. All things are possible if you entrust your life to God and commit yourself to the doing of God's will. All things are possible. If you believe. And suddenly the dad realizes, you know, I might be a part of the problem here. He says, if I believe. So he does what the rest of us do. He tried to fool Jesus. Jesus, I believe. And then he realizes who he's talking to. And he realizes this thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, you know, getting, getting through this, this, this charade that I'm in. So, Jesus, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief what a beautiful prayer jesus i believe as hard as i possibly can but there's whole hunks of me that can't believe help my unbelief jesus i'm trusting you for absolutely everything but there's parts of me that don't know how to trust you help me help thou mine unbelief Jesus, I'm absolutely committed that you can do whatever I ask in prayer, but there's a part of me that doesn't believe it at all. Help thou mine unbelief. It's an amazing prayer. It's a very honest prayer. So he says to Jesus, you know, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Jesus casts out the demon, the son's restored to the father and all that. Afterwards then, the disciples come up to Jesus, and they say, Jesus... Why couldn't we drive out the demon? I love that question. Why couldn't we drive out the demon? Maybe because you're not the Son of God, the Prince of Heaven with all sovereign authority in the entire universe. Maybe that's why. But Jesus says to them, says, this kind comes out only through 
prayer. Through prayer. Now read the text. Now Jesus didn't halt the proceedings. He didn't say, guys, just wait a moment. Take care of the dad. Take care of the son. I'll be right back. And runs up the mountain and says, God, I forgot to mention something to you. Um, there, there's this guy down here. He needs healing. And let's pray about it. And he just pray, 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 pray. And okay, now I'm back. Now let's do it. No. Jesus had already prayed. He had already been constant in prayer. He had already been constant in surrender to the will of the Father. He had already recognized that the sovereignty of God just lay over everything that happened. And he had already submitted everything about his life, everything about his thinking and his understanding. He had already given everything to his Father through prayer. This kind comes out only by prayer. And it takes a lot of it. So you better start it now because you, you, you can't know when you're going to need it, but you will. Be constant in prayer because there's a battle coming that you don't even know about. Be constant in prayer because of the battle that you do know about and never give up on the prayer and never give up on the surrender. But constantly, constantly pray and surrender. So Paul says, um, what does he say? Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. I'm thinking of the disciples. They went to sleep. That word watchful is the word that Jesus uses uh, when he's telling his disciples, be watchful for the second coming. Be watchful for the coming of the Son of Man. He says, don't, don't go to sleep. You know, have your, your, your lamps full of oil. Be awake, ready, prepared when the Son of Man comes. After all, when he comes, will the Son of Man find faith? That's a question Jesus asked. He's saying, will anybody be awake and waiting for this thing? And that's the word he's using when he says, be watchful. Be looking for what God is going to do. Be alert. Have your... Your, your sensors out so you know and can sense what God is doing and you can be aware of how he's answering the prayer and how that's working out. But be watchful in all these things. Be focused on this prayer. You ever pray and your mind wanders? You ever pray and go to sleep? <laughs> Somebody reminded me at the 830 service, he said, what better way to go to sleep? But you ever pray and your, your mind wanders? Oh, Lord. I would like to thank and praise you for all that you're doing in the life of my family, especially little Billy. He's a handful. I, can't, I don't know what to do with the kid. He was, out, he was at a little league game the other day, and he's out in right field, and he's looking at the flowers. He's looking at the flowers. The guy hit the ball. Billy catches the ball. He didn't care. He's looking at the flowers. The ball lands. I've been so embarrassed. You know, that kid, he's going to drive me crazy. Oh, um. <laughs> Your mind ever wander while you pray? Here's the deal. Whenever we talk with good friends, our minds wander. And we go along different paths, and we bring up different subjects, and we talk together about these things. And so the next time you're praying and your mind wanders, just say, God, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking this part of me into the courts of heaven. In fact, let, let me give this to you. Romans, um, Romans chapter 8. Look at it. Romans chapter 8. 
Most of us know Romans 8:28. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You know, and we love that verse and we quote that verse. How do we get to that verse? Let's back up a couple. Verse 26, Romans 8:26. Likewise, the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. For this morning, likewise, the Holy Spirit helps us when our minds wander. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever said, sometimes I don't know what to pray for? That's wrong. All the time you don't know what to pray for. We never come before God with enough wisdom, with enough insight, with enough knowledge of all the data to know what to pray for. That's all right because the Bible says that. It says we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit of God takes our rambling voices and he takes our wandering minds and he takes our our mishmash of ideas and he takes the limitation of our words and he takes the the frailty of our of our logic he takes everything about our our prayers and the holy spirit takes it up before the throne of the father and he lays it down there and he begins to pray for us with words you with groanings you can't even imagine what they mean out of the depths of the mercy and the love of god for us the holy spirit prays for us and intercedes for us Folks, I would give up if I didn't believe this. That when I pray, by the time it gets from me to heaven, the Holy Spirit has translated it into a prayer that honors and glorifies the Father. And what mercy that my name gets attached to it. So we don't know how to pray as we ought. Prayer is a work of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is a work of God's grace in the Holy Spirit leading us to pray, causing us to pray, taking our prayers molding them, interceding for us, and bringing us the answer. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, uh, he says, oh, uh, let's turn back to Colossians. Oh, I'm sorry, I was reading the rest of Romans, and it was like really good. <laughs> but continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving with thanksgiving, which is the hallmark of the Christian who knows the love and mercy of God. With thanksgiving means we're looking for the way that God answers. With thanksgiving means that when we don't see the answer, we're thankful that God's still at work. With thanksgiving means even though we've grown discouraged, we know that God hasn't given up on us. With thanksgiving means that we know that God hears us and works in our lives. And let me just say one more thing. When we pray, we pray in the name of God's own dear Son. I cannot demand of God as my right that he would listen to me, but I accept from God his gift that in Christ he would listen to me. When we say pray in the name of Jesus, it's not just tacked on so that everybody knows to wake up and quit sleeping. We say in Jesus' name. Here's what we mean. 
God, based on the grace and the mercy that you've shown to us in Jesus Christ when you sent him to die on the cross in our place, his shed blood that has washed us of, of our sin and given us the, the, the privilege of knowing you by that grace and by the cleansing of his blood, in the name of this Jesus who has brought us out of darkness and light, in the name of this Jesus who has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into his own kingdom, the kingdom of God's dear son, in the name of this Jesus who's talking us, who has taken us out of of the, the weakness and the frailty and the sickness of our lives and brought us into the everlasting health of heaven. This Jesus in his name, I pray. Amen. Oh, it gets better than that, folks. Hard to believe that, isn't it? That it gets better? It gets better. First John chapter 5. I said one more thing, but this is still it. First John chapter 5. Let me read real quick, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have towards him, that is, towards God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So pray in thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving in your heart. Because that's what God is doing for you. In Christ Jesus. Beloved, prayer might be hard for you. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, wow, I feel like I should spend eight hours a day on my knees in prayer. Now, prayer might be hard for you because you've grown discouraged. It might be hard for you because there's a lot of unbelief that God needs to help you with. But what I would encourage you to do is to continue steadfastly in prayer being honest with God, surrendering to his will, letting the Holy Spirit work in your life. You come before him constantly, watchfully. Come before him with thanksgiving. And you'll find that a life lived in a running conversation with the Father, in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is what we mean. We say pray without ceasing. Let's bow together. Gracious Father, thank you for your gift to us of prayer and that there is no limit to your grace and no limit to what you will do for us and no limit to the way you will hold us and keep us safe. So, Father, make us creatures of prayer coming before you, thanksgiving and praise, adoration, confession, to worship you in prayer. This morning, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.